It's a big trick for us. We've booked an Airbnb that is going to be quite an adventure. We'll talk about that closer to the time if we're still alive. There's so much more. There's intrigue. There's deception. There's adrenaline. This is a thriller. There's fear. Modern travellers that we are booking an Airbnb. Yeah. B and B. You don't have to worry about back in the car, go all the way home to our depressing normal lives. Little did they know that the ultimate price was our hubris. <laughs> we were looking for somewhere that was uh, a little more interesting than just your average house. I didn't think anything of it. I thought, well, that's good. Glad that it's still free. Warsaw has a lot to answer for. So we started the drive. All fine. Quite a nice drive. Yeah. Country roads. Normal kind of places. And, and then... then I called Angela, and she gave me a cryptic riddle. <laughs> My first is in stab you. <laughs> but not an Red flag. Very, very big red flag. Full on mental. <laughs> Eventually we got the key, and it just got weirder from there. Look for the bare necessities, simple bare necessities. Bum, bum. <laughs> I don't know the noise you did. Bum, bum. Devastatingly similar. Chapter five. Basic amenities. So we've received the key. Mm-hmm. We should a launch small with our child. Which email. We've had an email about. A very in- interesting email. It's an angle that I think ran through our minds at the time. It was quickly discarded because there was just too much going on. Toby emailed in with subject line evidence. The child gave you the key. So the murderer... Murderer, interesting. He's picked up on that vibe. Yeah. Wouldn't have their fingerprints on it. Angela is a mad woman who thinks <laughs> lack of fingerprints will exonerate her while she wears your skin. <laughs> Thank you for that, Toby. Thank you for that, Toby. Thank you for preempting some of our own thoughts. Reassuring. It's glad to see that it's translating the, the whole vibe of the piece. Mm. So we received this key. Yeah. We felt dirty having done so. I, I'm, especially because after having to, like, what felt like trick a child, who we thought was the daughter, turned out to be the granddaughter yeah. of a woman who looked too young to have had a granddaughter, who was able to deliver keys, um, and who also may not exist. So let's not remember that. <laughs> let's not forget that. Let's bit. pop a pin in that one. <laughs> um, not only did, did we have to pass this, like, difficult interaction 
verbally but when she came to deliver the key through the door i've never seen anyone open and close a door faster nope. she opened it, it was like here you go shut up like, she she okay we also we had no idea really which house we were supposed to be staying in she just gestured wildly like that she, one it was the Whereas wrong which she, she pointed <laughs> over like across the street to do you remember what was there a church yeah, but in front of the church it was oh, just like a. it was the bins sofas. and then some just some sofas <laughs> we got a key thank god I'll be unlocking this floor um, so we we sort of figured out that it was the house next door uh-huh. number three which as we mentioned is different from number eight keep that in mind and I don't think that we stressed enough last episode quite how unnerving that is yeah well it's complete. it's enough that you'd be like completely banned from Airbnb feel like falsely advertising a property yeah because number eight looked fucking lovely it, we should say as well it was on a different street like it was it might have had the same in fact i don't even think it did have the same street address because it was like one two three sixteen it yeah. was like round a corner in a little sort of cul-de-sac that was it's not even that not... it was in a car park yeah that's the one <laughs> that's worrying now that i think of it, it yeah but but it well. was simply not the road it was no. like a different place entirely and so we we're already slightly concerned yeah because we couldn't even say we you know we didn't even know that if anything did happen to us that patreon would know where we patreon <laughs> that, that airbnb would know where we were <laughs> True. so we were quite concerned we were even more concerned when we went to the front door to find that little bits of it had holes poked in it yeah it looked like someone had been trying to bite their way in <laughs> And that someone was a big vampire mouse. And so not all the way through, we should mention, but no. just that there were dents in the plastic at the front door. Which is reassuring that it didn't go through, but only when you're on the only outside a, of the house. Only to a point. <laughs> yeah. Only if the, your point is, I want to get in. So we managed to get in. Yeah. And as soon The key as- was weird. Did we say that? Oh, it was rectangular. It was like a car key. I've never seen anything like it for a house. It was like unlocking a car or like a locker or a bike lock. Yeah. It felt like opening like a post box or something. Yeah, it was really weird. It was odd. So um, we went inside and there was immediately a really strange atmosphere in the house. We were greeted by... (laughs) There's no two ways about it. Art is generous. Huge, naked man. Yeah, rippling muscles, holding up a planet upon which stood a large-breasted woman in a dress. Um... There was no clear interaction between them, no clear message from the art. It was about 18,000 feet high and very bright and garish and like directly in front of you when you opened the door. And uh, there was another factor beyond the eerie silence of the place, Uh which was that, A, we didn't know if anyone was in. No, because we... This, like, eight-year-old had not managed to deliver much of the way of information. No. And B, something which I don't like, is that all of the doors were kind of pulled to mm. rather than open, which always unnerves me as to whether you're supposed to go in there, what is in there, who yeah, might be in some there. Some people are really weird about, like, like some rooms are off limits, like Beauty and the Beast. You must never go in the West Wing vibe. So you don't know where you're allowed to go. And Airbnb always stresses, like, treat the owner with respect like this is their house they're allowing you in for money <laughs> p.s you <laughs> paid money. for it but you just don't really know what the the vibe is so we already felt so far we'd felt like we'd broken in 
having tricked a child into someone's house. Then it might be inside. They might not be. We didn't know which rooms we were allowed in. We didn't know which rooms were for us. Um, so we did the obvious thing and explored. Yes. Quietly, scaredly. Now, we've already mentioned the painting, but how would you describe the decor in general? Quite unlike anything I've seen anywhere. <laughs> it was... Um, there was so much decor, right? There was like... In what was ostensibly a very small, yeah. or at least a very compact uh-huh. uh, house. It had an absolute array of features like Bible verses written on the wall. From the that book sounds of Phil. more mad saying it than it felt at the time. Because yeah. they were written in like, like arts. Calligraphy. Yeah. But still pretty weird. Very odd. My bed above it had, my double bed, we'll get to, above it had scrawled. Did you even see? Like, make today ridiculously oh, yeah. great or something. And you had stars above your bed. Do you remember that Bible verse? Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, I had stars above my bed, but like, so many. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was an unusual amount of them. It was like eight packets worth. There was like huge cabinets filled with glassware and mm-hmm. there were enormous clocks like, like a wall huge size. clocks. And then it wasn't a clock. It was just like you stick on the numbers and then you buy the hands separately. Yeah. <laughs> Before you get the hands, yeah. it's just a great way of remembering how to count. So, uh, there, everything was, the, the downstairs was quite dark. Like it wasn't very yeah. well lit. And it had, there was one light switch that controlled the entire house. That was a shame. Um, and, and as well as that, it had the feeling of certainly the downstairs, the, the living room, if that's what it was, or dining room and kitchen, had the air of somewhere that had been left off in remembrance, someone <laughs> who died in there. Yeah. It was totally silent. There were still like breakfast things set out, but not obviously for mm-hmm. us. Like that poem about the four men dead at Flannan Isle or whatever it is, where yeah. they arrive and there's a, like, a lighthouse filled with, like they're about to have a meal and everyone's just vanished. Yeah, It did have the, the vibe of something, a place where people suddenly... And permanently disappeared. Or Miss Havisham's, yeah. like, banquet table or something. Yeah. And so we, we we finished there, got out of that room sharpish. Yep. I didn't like it at all. Nope. Um, and we walked up the stairs, and opposite the staircase was a bookshelf, and mm-hmm. just next to that was the door to what we presumed was one of the bedrooms. So we went in, and it was a room that grew to haunt us. Yeah, because the first impression was like, oh. Was that it was the coolest room. Yeah, it was like, there's loads of stuff here. very regrettably <laughs> shotgunned this room. Um, and because it had a, like a little mini bar in it, yeah. it had the biggest television I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um, there was sort of Biggest like, clock. Yeah, biggest clock Outside in the of the Big Ben world. Um, it seemed fairly nicely lit. You mm-hmm. know, you got the sunset coming in through the windows. Um, and then... Bit by bit, we began the to longer we were there. that things weren't quite as nice as we thought mm-hmm. they were. The immediate sense I got was that <clears throat> it was one of surveillance. Because yeah. any angle, you've got 360 to choose from. And any one, any half a degree you turned, you were met by a new photograph of the same couple at different points of their own wedding. Uh and they were all facing directly into the middle. So it was like, yeah, it was like when a, a flower unfurls its petals. It was like being in an amphitheatre. Mm. 
you like you look around. It was like giving the Christmas lectures at the Royal <laughs> Institute to the same two but people. The same people repeated over and over because the single bed was di- like directly in the middle of the room, hanging beneath. What's well, normally above? No, let's let's no, we'll get there. Okay. I need to finish with the photos first. I can't deal with them, <laughs> so I'll start having a panic attack. But yeah, there were an unusual amount of photos. It wasn't that it's and, odd to have lots of photos of your wedding. It was odd to put them in the guest room. And it's odd to have them all facing inwards. And it's just odd to have that many. Like there yeah. were over a hundred photographs. It was oppressive. Yeah. Um, in this room. Um, there were also two dozen pillows on the sofas <laughs> that, that flanked the yeah. bed seated inwards towards it. Like people ordinarily sat watching someone sleep there except the problem was there'd be no space to sit because, because there were all the pillows were like three deep cushions. on the sofa it was very odd and there was a strange theme in the decoration of this room that seemed to be green sperm on an orange <laughs> background it's a classic which it's was brilliant. which was found adorning the pillows but yep. also the blinds mm-hmm. and then i kept spotting it in like because it was clearly a bit of material yeah. it had it was just everywhere it would just be like on the corner of a duvet or something it was it, just all over the gaff <sighs> Declan's gazing off into the middle distance now there was because i i i said to isaac at the time that part of what unnerved me at the beginning was that there, it had a strangely reminiscent feel to a uh, <clears throat> a recurring nightmare that I've had mm-hmm. since I was very young about being in a bedroom with the with a door that with opens onto stone. the staircase. Well, with like a orange blind uh-huh. through which a kind of evening sun is is pouring, and it gives the whole room this warm orange feel, but also one that's slightly. <clears throat> Um, surreal mm-hmm. and of me kind of pottering around there are lots of there's lots of paraphernalia in the room and I sort of look at it and then I hear someone coming up the stair it's very like Classic. common um, recurring nightmare I hear someone coming up the staircase I feel a sense of panic I turn to see who it is I wake up but this Ooh. room was so madly reminiscent not necessarily in that it had the same aesthetic but the colour and the mood and the absolute silence of it yeah it was really weird part of the surveillance thing was that it looked like a room that had been set up to be bugged because there was was so so much much that you would never catch there being a microphone Uh and so many objects that I've just never seen in like what do they use that room for otherwise a bedroom a living room I don't know what its purpose was it felt like walking into a mad person's idea of what a bedroom should be like. It felt very much like a shrine as well, mm. what with all of the photos, that everything turned inwards. Yeah, like it, that you just sit in the middle and kind of absorb some spiritual energy from it. Then, uh, there was other small things that just seemed weird. They had some really weird niche films. Yes. Like, they were in plastic CD-ROM sleeves with art that they'd printed off themselves yeah. and slid in there. Um. There was an abandoned bag of cheese savouries. <laughs> Inside another bag. It, yeah. Hidden in the corner. The bin, like, threw all the attention to... Because it was clean. Very. But scrupulously. attention... Meticulously yeah, clean. For all that attention to detail, the bin had not been emptied and was full of really odd, like, disparate things that didn't imply any one person would be using, like, a bar of soap, mm. a haddock. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you about that bit. <laughs> Um, then I was lying down on the bed. Mm-hmm. My legs were really sore from our day at Alton Towers. <laughs> and so I couldn't 
bear to move or stand mm-hmm. or sit. So I was lying down on the bed and looked up and again in sort of true horror movie style came to a realization while looking up, which was that the room had no light. Yeah. Now it had a light fixture. Very much. But what was missing was the, the some would say the key ingredient <laughs> of light, the, the bulb, bulb. <laughs> which had been clearly deliberately removed. And there was no lampshade. No. Where, like you could see like in, in the room we're in now, if I had to replace that lampshade, I'm not going to, no, replace the bulb. I'm not going to dispense with the lampshade and be like, just leave it like that. No. It's odd to have the bulb and the lampshade gone because it implies that there was never one there because there were lampshades on every other light and the attention to detail in the decor was so yeah. fastidious that they're not going to leave that out. Very uh, conspicuous, again, like yeah, right in the middle just of the Just hanging. Like the sword of Damocles above your head. Yeah. <laughs> and now I was beginning to become even more unnerved. I was very much regretting my decision to shotgun this bedroom so yeah. hastily. And I don't think we'd really talked about it at this point in any, like, serious terms. Because no. whilst everything individually had already been weird, it was very much like, ah, oh, you know, this is like... These things happen. You're in it's, someone else's house. We've spoken previously about how other people's houses are always a bit odd yeah, to you. Yeah, um, I think we hadn't discussed how lots of the things there specifically freaked us out. Like the light is something that I'm especially drawn to because there's something about that still orange but fading. It, you could see like dust particles and it just gives it this still closeness. Yeah, but also there's that sense of waning time, isn't yeah, there? That you can see that very quickly the room will be without light. And and then what are you to do? We tried like shutting the curtains to be like, what's it going to be like at night? And the answer, and the answer was, was pitch black. <laughs> um, then perhaps the most worrying element. Yeah. And I don't, We. it's interesting that we didn't really notice it on the way in because the door had no handle on the outside. It had been open. It yeah. was the one of the few that was open. And that's not, like by itself necessarily dreadful. It's not a good sign often. It's not a good sign for a guest room that you're renting out. No. But what it does mean is that clearly you don't need a handle to get in, Mm -hmm. which means that something to do with the latch isn't there. And the answer to this was that the door had so very blatantly (laughs) recently been kicked in Mm -hmm. from the outside. Because there was slight damage to the the wood grain around the handle where it was just like a hole where the handle should be. And in the frame. Yeah. And the latch itself, the little metal bit, was just flattened. Bent flat And specifically flattened back to imply that it had been kicked from the outside. Against the direction of the kick. Uh So someone at some point recently had had to boot this door in. And this is not a door that locked. Nope. There was no sign that it could lock. There was no, like, indication around the door that they'd built a hook thing in that was separate and to it, a locking mechanism. And it still had a handle on the inside, so it's not like... Very much decorative at yeah. this point. <laughs> it's not like the handle on the inside uh, was broken, so they'd taken it off yeah, as well. exactly. They'd just... Someone had felt the need to kick in mm-hmm. this door. So I had a door that didn't shut to a room that was completely black and was terror and was in every other sense horrific. It's hard to capture, but I'm sure people can empathize with the the theme for me of how I felt throughout all of this was a gradual building of, um, I guess it's like 
the best horror film you can think of. Like the first time you see The Shining and everything's so fine until it's suddenly, there are so many odd, yeah, yeah, tiny but odd things that you realise, oh, actually, I've been feeling really quite unnerved and, and like on the edge of panicked for the whole time I've been here. And you just, because you're so used to going through life and being like, oh, that person like looked at me for too long while I was walking past. Like, that's a bit weird. I'll just carry on with my life. Because those moments usually don't amount to anything. I think we have a good, especially like living in a major city. Yeah. You have a good ability to just be like, get on with what I'm doing. But only on reflection and only in discussion and hindsight, but also at the culmination of this, did I look back and be like, yeah, this was pretty fucked from the moment we started the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, as well, at this point, we were beginning to joke about how we previously mentioned this was the house of mad people. Yeah. We were going to be murdered. Our hubris. As it took down <laughs> Icarus. <laughs> From the plinth that we had built ourselves, yeah. did we plummet? Indeed. But what was... What in hindsight I think is quite telling about it is that whilst we were joking and laughing about the fact that, you know, that this felt like a place where you could be killed. And so many of our, like, so much of it was cinematic in the revelations. Like the moment where you lie down and look up to find the light, the moment where we like had been in the room, the doors been kicked in and hadn't noticed that for a while. And the gradual, realization that with all these pairs of eyes watching you from every angle yeah so much of it had been couched in that kind of cinematic vocabulary that it just it sets off like your emotional triggers for these things yeah. like your condition to to respond in that way but what i was going to say is that what was telling was that despite the fact that we were joking about it and laughing about it that we did so in a really hushed voices yeah that we dropped our voices and at points even were whispering even though we were the only two people in the house as far as we knew, as far as we knew um like we what we were anxious yeah. that someone would hear or that someone was listening or someone was recording and it's weird looking back that i i have never ever felt that way no, <laughs> in, in somewhere so after a while in that room we looked at the rest of the house Mm -hmm. your room seemed relatively normal yeah it was a big double bed it became again it revealed itself to be less normal than i first thought because it had um, a a huge amount of pillows just (laughs) frankly a ludicrous amount again like no one ever expected you to actually sleep in that bed either yeah and again it's one of those very minor things that i think it's hard to convey the oddness of without having been there to see the context but it spoke again to the image of someone who has an idea of what a bed's supposed to be like. It's like, well, you put, you know, you make it, you fold it down, you put pillows in it and they put pillows in it and then another row of pillows in it and another row of pillows. And it's like, <laughs> leave the fucking pillows. There were, there were 13 pillows on my bed. What am I supposed to do with that? That's, but as more than that as well, I think, is that there was a sense in both of our rooms that there were so many obstacles to sleep yeah and to well, your bed was not even like it wasn't fully it existent. wasn't fully made but it was made there was and it a, had a weird like slope y- in it yeah but there was a sheet on it there was a there mm-hmm. were pillows and there was like blankets because the room the house is really warm yeah so and there was a blanket to, to sleep under like it was perfectly fine for me but 
yeah, like like your room, but then you know the weirdness of my room, there being no light, there being no door, everything had the idea, everything being so cluttered and close and claustrophobic as well, had this idea that everything was so laboured. Mm. And as well in your case, there being 13 pillows, it just means that they've got to go somewhere and the only place for them to go is on the floor. Because it was a tiny room. The room yeah. is the size of the double bed. Yeah, so they're only going to go on the floor down the side, which yeah. means if you need to get up or leave, you're just treading on just pillows. falling into a fucking obstacle course yeah. of feathers. But there was a third floor yeah. that we went up. I've somehow blocked the memory of the third floor because on at the kind of top of the flight of each stairs, there were two flights of stairs in total. And at the top of the one onto our floor was a big glass display case full of, you mentioned some books, but there were some more weird oh, statues, yeah. more weird photos, um, similar theme to the photos. The, uh, a Bible, oh, there was a Bible in my room as well, yep. which had a, a bookmark in it to a point that I didn't, Ever was it want the book to of look at? Yeah, <laughs> they had a big sign that was the book of Phil. But no, I didn't. I thought if I open it and it's anything scary, <laughs> like and then God said, "When you go to this house, findest thou thirteen pillows <laughs> and knowest <laughs> that death thou art approaches. in the house of a sin." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I'll leave the Bible where it lay. Um, but yeah, there was another of those display units uh, on the third floor. Also unusual was that if you opened my door, the first thing in front was an armchair looking face directly into the like what two feet away from the door. Honestly, I I don't think you could open that door fully because there was a massive armchair just at the bottom of a flight of stairs, straight on. And having seen, as we mentioned last episode, a series of unfortunate events, there's that amazing scene when uh, in Billy Connolly's house, what's the character called? Dr. Montgomery Montgomery. Yeah. And Jim Carrey rocks up as a fake, whatever he is, snake expert. Stefano. Yeah, Stefano. And, um. I am an Italian man. <laughs> it's great. But there's a bit where, because the kids know that it's him, obviously, and they try to sneak out of their room at night to tell Dr. Montgomery, presumably. And he's just sitting in a rocking chair, like, just outside the door. With the biggest knife. <laughs> Have you got a hall pass? <laughs> <laughs> they just scamper away. I don't think so. Yeah. So it was that kind of vibe. So at the top of the next flight of stairs was a giant orange dress, which was the exact colour of the sperm... Sperm curtains. Sperm curtains, pillows, bedspread, <laughs> everything. The um, sperm decor. And was kind of hung up so as to resemble... It was hung up like fully... And if you just glanced up, you'd be like, oh, there's a woman standing at the top of Yeah. That. Oh, absolutely. And there were loads of clothes hung up. Uh-huh. I remember that I went up because I wasn't sure. I think I was hoping that my bedroom wasn't my bedroom. <laughs> so I wanted to see what was up there. And there was nothing to suggest that we shouldn't, beyond yeah. the fact that everywhere in that house felt forbidden. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we went up the stairs, or I went up the stairs first, uh, opened the door, and nearly shit myself because <laughs> there was... Within the room, there was a, a second doorway without a door. Good. Um, a common thing. Good sign. Um, past the double bed into what I presume was then like a walk-in closet or something. Uh-huh. But there was there were clothes piled high in the shape of a person just through this door. And I instantly thought that there was someone there uh-huh. who'd like been listening in on us this whole time and whatnot. And then finally kind of came to the sense that it wasn't. 
But I looked round, and the room was in total darkness. Mm. All the blinds pulled, everything kind of in a in that vague twilight um, lightlessness. And <clears throat> we I, I, we just went straight back down. The yeah, stairs. I, didn't I've, want to spend a I think second. I don't really remember it because I was busy thinking about how weird the rest of the stuff was. I was just processing the rest as as we went through. Um, so we went back to my room. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, the place we've been the longest. Yeah. I, so somehow when there were the two of us there, we felt some sense yeah. of comfort in Sitting there. On that it was also bed, the like brightest. It was also like the brightest. Because mm, it was where the sun was. Yeah. And we just sat for a while and debated what on earth we were supposed to do. We'd suddenly like lost all contact with Angela. Yeah. She'd, she'd stopped. She'd stopped replying to us. Because if you remember, she, it was now what coming up to seven, seven thirty or something. Yeah. She was supposed to be back. Yeah. Cause she'd said, uh, come between four and five and I'll let you in. Otherwise come after six. My daughter will let you in, but I'll be back. And uh, we, the only contact we'd had with her in the, in the meantime was that we'd said, that we would be leaving sometime between 10 and 11 yeah. the next day. I hadn't had a response to that though. Um, so we were sitting there just, and there was, again, we felt that discomfort. I didn't want to do anything. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned when we just talked about going to other people's houses, but I have a real, ability to make myself feel very much at home in other people's homes when I do go. Uh-huh. Uh, if I've like, if I've made the decision to go around someone's house or if they've invited me around, especially if people say, make yourself at home, I'm very <laughs> eager to in, do so. Get 30 um, pictures of your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind like I'll set up the bed, I'll sleep, I'll, I'll, I'll do stuff, I'll join mm. in. Um, I don't feel the need to kind of like put my hand up to ask if I can go somewhere. No, no, me neither. Um, I didn't want to even like touch anything in this room in case it wasn't what we were supposed to do. Yeah. I felt like I was in trouble already. Yeah, like, that was very true. I felt like we were going to be told off for something and, and we didn't know what we hadn't done anything. No. We were in an Airbnb that we'd paid for. The door opens downstairs. Oh yeah, I forgot about this. And in walks the mother of the girl who gave us the key. Yeah, who, who turns is out Angela's daughter. daughter who was supposed to let us in, but who had gone out. Yeah. When she was supposed when to be there had, to let us We've in. been specifically told to arrive. So we, having heard the door open, we immediately jumped up yeah. and started descending the stairs. And her first words to us were, can you take your shoes off, please? Not even as nicely as that. No. Yeah. I don't think there was a please. No. Just, can you take your shoes off? Uh, yeah, no, sure, that's yep, fine. Sure. I was being really and, nice. and again, like little children, we sort of like descended the stairs yeah. and took her shoes off and left them at the at the bottom. And then she came in and she started. You you weren't supposed to be here. You weren't supposed to be in here. She wasn't. She was never supposed to give you that. Key. There was a lot of yet as well. Yeah, like you're not supposed to be here yet. It's not. You weren't. It's not the time you're allowed in. Like, yeah, that sort of thing. Like there was a there was a, a panic in her voice mm-hmm. um, that she then tried to kind of paste over by talking about. Um, how she was, she wasn't angry at us. She was angry at her daughter. Yeah. You know, I told her not to answer oh, the door. You could have she, fucking fooled me. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like, like she was really accusatory. Very much. Yeah. Really like, and she was very short with us. Uh-huh. She was very curt with us. Um, and she showed us the rooms that obviously we'd already looked at. Yeah. But it, 
it felt less of a tour and more of her checking on the rooms. Yeah. Like to make sure that they were fine. Um, and then she just left. Yeah. She said that, she said that Angela would be back in the morning to serve us breakfast. And then she left. Uh-huh. So now the narrative had changed. Now Angela wasn't coming home tonight, according to her. But she would be there in the morning for breakfast. Yeah. And she left and the house was incredibly silent. Yeah, again. it resumed that just oddness. But now there was like, I don't know, in a way it broke the tension, but it left in its wake. Only to ramp more. it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, was, uh, yeah, very and we were suddenly quite lost. Bum, bum, bum. bum. <laughs> Chapter six. The, the Box Witch Showman. showman. <laughs> we didn't even plan that, that was the chapter name. It was just we realised that we didn't mention why these episodes are called the Block Switch Project, so, other than the obvious joke. Yeah, but the near nearby were we in Block Switch? Was no, it the, the nearby Block Switch town? was like the nearest town, I think. Okay. So horrid name. We returned to what we'll regrettably call my room, mm. and uh, and we were trying to figure out what to do. I did not want to stay in this house. Like, I didn't want to yeah. be there a second For longer. me, there were two, like, clocks ticking. And I'm not a fan of having the sense that, you know, there's a time limit or no. that there's something coming. And the things that were coming were, night is coming, at which point your room is gone. Your room is <laughs> My a room's in pitch black. And while that's fine, like, we could have gone elsewhere, there was, it was just odd that that was, like, outside our control. Like, it felt like you were... In yeah, a, in a prison. I didn't want to be in my room while it went dark. No, and then there was now the second clock of, well, it had been kind of fucked up because the clock had been Angela's coming back, but now it was her Angela's husband's, husband's coming back. Coming back, a man about which we know nothing. Yeah, he we didn't know. There been name. no intimation of him other than the fact that he was perhaps the guy in every single photo in the yeah. fucking house. Um, so and judging by our only interaction so far with the daughter it didn't seem like it was going to be the it wasn't like he was going to come back and be like dressed like santa claus no it wasn't like, come on lads. carrying beers Here like come on crack, on crack open a cold one yeah. eh? it didn't give that impression um so we decided we wanted to go out yeah i needed a fucking drink <laughs> <laughs> that needed to steady his nerves i had the shakes <laughs> um and so we looked up the closest uh, spoons that we could. And it was a pub called the Blocks Witch Showman, which already sounded like somewhere You're going to be command into the next (laughs) life. Where all the patrons are wearing masks. (laughs) But it was five minutes away. It was a place we could go, have a drink, have something to eat, and come back. And our plan, I think, or at least as I understood it, was that we'd try and come back so once. we didn't have to see anyone. Yeah. Or, what, yeah, like or once, once someone back. was in. Like, because I hate, even in someone, my own house, yeah, I, I don't, don't like, like the dynamic of, like, if you've got a parcel coming to be delivered, I feel like I can't do things I want to do. Like, you no. like can't have a shower because what if the doorbell rings while you're in the shower and stuff like that. So it was that kind of basic um, grievance, but ramped up now by the the latent fear. Yeah. So off we went. And so we set off. We went there. We had to park about 200 well, miles We haven't away. talked about when we left the house. Oh, yeah. We met some people on the way out. Well, as well, we discovered that there was one light switch that you mentioned earlier yeah. that controlled all the lighting in the house. And it was a really 
horrid moment because um, we it was still reasonably light in my room. Yeah, like it was it was coming to sunset, but because the the back windows faced west. Uh, the light was still quite bright and quite orange in that room. Yeah. And we hadn't really realised that on the other side of the house, and therefore in the rest of the house, it was almost total darkness. And so we were preparing to go downstairs. I think you came out of the bathroom. Yeah. And you turned off the two light switches that were outside. And the house went into total darkness. Yeah. Like, while you I were on the stairs. Right? Yeah. I couldn't see a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. It was horrific. And I was like, I just stopped still on the sounds. I was like, fuck, t- t- turn the lights back on, turn the lights back on. So as it's turned the lights on, we realized that this one light control, this one switch, sorry, controlled the lighting downstairs and on our landing and the, one and the landing above. Like, so at least three different bulbs. And when I turned them on, we got a very cinematic jump scare in the form of <sighs> a... I walked down the stairs again. Mm-hmm. And as I came to the bottom, I came past the wall that ended the staircase and the door through to the haunted kitchen <laughs> was slightly ajar yeah, and that immediate head height just inside the door that I hadn't noticed turning in from the other direction was a really spooky brown line drawing yeah. of, or sorry, sketching of a young boy's face. At head height, at life size. It just looked like when I came down to see what you were looking at, it scared me even though I knew that I <laughs> that was going to be scared. Like, oh, yeah. fuck. It was horrid. Yeah. Um, so, again, I, like, I was sat on the stairs, panting <laughs> heavy. My heart was going. Ooh. Like, everything had just built up. And I have, I have honestly never felt this way in my life, mm. being anywhere. And I was saying that um, for my job with the production company, like, I have stayed in lots of Airbnbs um, in the last few months by myself in all parts of the country, like in remote corners of the Peak District off of dirt roads Definite where there's ghosts. no street lighting. I've stayed in kind of uh, little annexes to houses where you're all by yourself yeah. in a sort of barely lit cold. And I have felt fine in every single one. It's never even occurred to me that... That you could feel unsafe. Yeah. Just in a bedroom. Yeah. It's really, um, I wonder if that's naivety though, because I just have no experience of it, of anything like it. But it's interesting that having never experienced it, we both felt inherently the exact same fear about the exact same thing happening, which yeah. was that this is a room where someone could come into my room in the middle of the night. And there's no light, the door's been kicked in, there's photos everywhere. It has the silent air of a fucking GCHQ bug <laughs> trap. Um, and another thing that we'd forgotten to mention mm-hmm. um, was that looking out the window in my oh, room. I'm not sure. Oh, no, I did. I worked this out when we went to like sort out the curtain situation. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a garden that was normal by all intents and purposes. So I looked as I kind of approached the right hand side of the window, I was looking out to the left of the garden and it was just fencing, fencing. Fe- oh, what's that in there? far right corner and what it was listeners who've seen American Psycho or Hannibal was a lot a big pile of plastic sheeting on top of which lay a white tarpaulin and I say white it was stained with dark red maybe light brown rust colour 
and that was a shame. There are only... I don't think you even looked, because I, I told you about it. I, yeah, I didn't like, look until I'm we not, came back. I'm not having a look. I, I was too afraid. <laughs> I don't afraid. want to see this now. Like, there are only two groups of people who have those exact things, and they are builders yep. and serial killers. Now, what's the normal working hours of a builder? Well, I thought we'd come to that later. Yeah. But just keep it in mind. Yeah, something to ponder. Yeah. So anyway, we put our shoes on. I had a breather. (laughs) We opened the door. We went out. We locked the door. And there were two guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say they were a bit older than us. Yeah, I'd say like late 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 20s. Um, And they were were just saying goodbye at the house next door Mm -hmm. where the young girl and the mother lived. Yeah. And they looked over at us... Um, and smiled and sort of said, oh, hi. Yeah. Like, night, lads. And then walked away. But they did so with the exact wry, knowing gaze of, like, the citizens in Hot Fuzz that we mentioned <laughs> last time. Or, yeah. again, to mention it, of like everyone in the Wicker Man, all of the residents of the island who know what's going on and aren't giving anything away. And then they just sort of walked away. Um, and we didn't really mention that between us at the time, but we did talk about it later as something that slightly unnerved us both even more. Mm-hmm. So we walked to the car and we got in the car and then they reversed by us to get out of the car park mm-hmm. and both looked in at us while we were in the car, <laughs> again with the same glance. Yeah, quite a lingering. It was just an odd because it was not... Uh, the kind of situation that demanded contact. It no. didn't. It didn't. We weren't like close enough, and we hadn't looked obviously enough. We um, weren't expecting a conversation. And there's not really any reason that we know of that they should have known who we were anyway, yeah. and why we were there. But they spoke as if they did. Yeah. So that was another thing. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Anyway, we made the short drive. Is you like two minute drive? And we both remarked as well then and indeed later that I've never felt so glad to be in a car. I just yeah. I was like, just feels so nice. It's, yeah, here. like we We're we'd moving, spent we spent, locked. you know, about five hours total in the car already that day. Yeah. It was somewhere that we felt safe, we had control, it was surrounded by only our things. Yeah. Um, Very few married photos. Almost none. There were there were lights galore. It was mad. A locks. Sheer luxury. <laughs> no one had kicked the door in for days. Um and uh, it really felt like somewhere that would be far safer to sleep. Yes. So we 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 said, didn't we, that finally Gary Newman's cars. <laughs> that here in my, my car, car, I feel safest, I feel safest of all. all. I'm <laughs> away from that house. <laughs> I'm not. They can't get me out all <laughs> in the cars. cars. Do, do, do. Do, do, I've got do, a light. I can lock all my doors. <laughs> no fucking photos. No giant clocks in cars. <laughs> so we were just, we just felt happier. Like the I mood lifted. In hindsight, I feel like we were both working harder than usual to try and raise the other's mood. Yeah. And that's not something, because there was a kind of unspoken, um, maybe it's because they're all such minor things, but I think we probably both felt a bit silly about broaching it as a serious thing to be like, it's all a bit weird, isn't it? Like, yeah. I don't want to be the one that's like pussying out of this, but it's weird. So I think we were just trying, like I say, to 
keep morale up in our two-person camp. Yeah, and uh, and it's quite a, a foreign mood to us because whilst we, I think, ordinarily in situations like that, like on a car journey and whatnot, mm-hmm. we're either singing or talking most of the time. Yeah. But it's normally sort of effortless. And there's also a kind of unspoken apathy between us that if we're not talking, yeah. it's not like the other one's being rude. We're not... No, it's just normal. It's just that that's it. That's yeah. like sometimes there, are, there aren't ones. But there was a definite concerted effort. There was no silence in that car. No. Um, and it was also like the first time we'd spoken at a normal volume. Yeah, I, it was, we weren't whispering at yeah. last. The only time that we had raised our voice in the house was to go, fucking hell, when yeah. something like a giant painting. <laughs> so we pull up about 200 miles away from this part <laughs> down the road. Down the longest, straightest street in Blockswitch. And um, the only street in Blockswitch. The journey hadn't exactly reassured us as to the safety of the area in which we were staying. No. And uh, again, we should probably mention, because we, we sort of hinted that maybe... Um, the feeling unsafe in a room was naivety, but we've both spent a lot of time in and even lived in unsafe areas, rougher yeah. areas of London, like had to walk through places that you'd rather yeah, not. Every day. But so it's not like we're completely unknowledgeable or no, green about this. It's not like we just come out of living like at boarding at Eton for 25 years, ended up in a B&B that was like run by someone who wouldn't have been eaten and got, Oh fucking hell. They don't have servants here. It's quite different. It was like, it was odd. And, uh, and I don't know. I, maybe it was just me. Maybe it's a, a hangover from a, the amphitheater bedroom, but I felt like everyone knew who we were. <laughs> uh, it, it felt like, we were instantly identifiable as to the out show. of place. But possibly. I mean, to be fair, once we were in Spoons, we did mention that we had helped ourselves there. Because when we go. got in, the Spoons was actually very nice. It was the nicest really place we've been in. Really nice. Um, but we did kind of uh, identify attention. ourselves um, as the southern middle-class wankers. <laughs> <laughs> because we both had iPhones on charge. Yeah. Uh, I ordered a vegetarian, you ordered a vegetarian vegan, meal. in fact, <laughs> and you were and you were having a coke. Yeah, and we I were, didn't have a straw though. I thought that was a step too oh, far. Oh wow, well done. I know. Um, and we were two guys just taking up a whole booth, <laughs> <laughs> but no one said anything. They were all no. like, all the people I spoke to there. All two of them. Yeah, <laughs> seemed very yeah. Normal. But it was lovely. It was fine. Yeah. Um, and we had like it was nice because we both sort of forgot about it. We didn't actually talk that much while we were there. My phone had been dead for coming on four hours or something now so i need i was like that always is a slight that's like a two percent panic yeah anyway so i was catching up with what had happened but also yeah it was just nice to be in a place that well, we, we didn't have safe. to talk about how weird it was yeah and you know we were both really tired we've been up for ages yeah we were yeah, it was what like half eight yeah coming up to nine at this point so we've been up for since four driving well you've been driving We'd been walking around fucking massive 100-acre Alton Towers. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been up for, what, 17 hours at yeah. this point? Like so, that. it was nice to just relax, reboost. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we, we, we an texted... An jacket potato. Yes. <laughs> we texted Angela to say that we were going out. 
but which, that we'd be back at nine again. Weird thing to feel like you have to do, mm. but we, I, yeah, we both felt like kind of had to account for our movements and be like, it's okay, we're still here, like we're going to be back. We're just going out for something to eat. Um, all's fine. We'll be back. <laughs> um, I don't think she replied though, did she? No, no reply. No. So we decided it was time to make our way back to the house. And I wasn't looking forward to it. I'll be honest, neither was I. No. Um, I think that we we were sort of hoping, because it was now nine, coming up to just past nine, we were sort of hoping that maybe her husband would already be back. Oh, definitely. So that the house would already have like a bit of an atmosphere, that yeah. there'd be some, something there. Um, or that maybe Angela herself would be back by now. It was, you know, got pretty late. Yeah. And she'd, been is, up, she'd been up early because yeah. she was texting us at fucking at crack of dawn. And this is her house. Yeah. Well, supposedly. Yeah. So we made our way back. The drive was equally, equally, <laughs> equally unnerving. Mm-hmm. Um, and with an added sense of foreboding, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, but we rounded the corners, we entered the car park, we pulled up, and the house itself was decidedly unlit. Dead. And so we opened the door. Mm-hmm. Bum, bum. What Chapter seven. Pretty sure. Okay. Joe. <laughs> the return of Joe. Enter Joe. <sighs> so... <laughs> The house was dead. It was empty. It felt empty. Mm -hmm. Uh, But still... Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about this. Still, of course, with that um, strange sense that someone was either listening or present or there. I just kind of assumed by now that everything we'd said, because we'd been in an attempt to kind of make light out of the situation, and because it is our want, as this very podcast would, (laughs) would instantiate... We'd been kind of taking the piss out of what was going on, being like, like making jokes about the room and the photos and stuff. And I kind of, with everything else that had happened and with the timing of like the daughter coming back and stuff, I just kind of assumed that that was all now public knowledge that someone <laughs> had just heard all that. Yeah. Like, I don't know why that's weird to have, to have but gone it, to. That's the, it the just pervasive, felt given. yeah, it was the pervasive overall atmosphere of the house yeah like that. so i was downstairs taking my boots off and isaac headed upstairs first i turned on the light that turns on all light <sighs> that was good the sun and i and headed slowly upstairs and i started to follow isaac reached the top of the staircase turned back on himself looking towards down the corridor room. towards his room and stopped with a horrific glare and he didn't say anything from my position, it was like watching someone look at the basilisk. <laughs> it was absolutely... Colin Creevey. Horrifying, like yeah. Um, because he was just suddenly very still. And my my immediate thought, my first instinct, was that there was someone sat in that chair yeah. outside your room. And I, I was tensing to just fucking grab you and <laughs> run. Like, leave the stuff. Yeah. Just fucking run. But what it was, um, in a way, this is the right thing for it to have been if I was scripting this event. Yeah. This is like your beginning of second act. Things like, it feels like the protagonists have gone on a journey where nothing's really come of it. And the tension's broken by the daughter coming back. And then they're like, right, let's get out for a bit. Cool, we'll come back. Everything's going to be, oh. Because what had changed in our absence 
an absence in which the constant communication had ceased and both of the promises of people returning had proven false. And I've just realised something as well, but go on. Um, what had changed was that just behind where my door would open, were there not an armchair facing into my room, was a big kind of one of those fake plant things in a big vase about five feet high. And where once it had been unnoticeably just blend, blending into the background, it was kind of a silver and black affair. Now it was illuminated with these beautiful fairy lights. And I've just twinkling. remembered that we had this, we both had the feeling that they'd definitely been off, but we couldn't justify that to ourselves, uh-huh. but it was a feeling. But I've just remembered that we'd have noticed that they were on the when we turned the lights yeah. off. And it's one of those things like... You, we were just certain. It was a, yeah, it was a difference that was marked because that it, that whole area had just been like kind of bland and there was nothing there. It's why we stayed in your room because that's where we had light and we had like, there were things to talk about. In my room, there was nothing and we didn't go upstairs again. It was a hundred percent different. So... So, uh, someone had been in to turn them on. Like there, there, there was no like little timer device no. on it. They just a plug had been turned on. And what a perfect way! Like we talked in a few episodes back about that stupid lateral thinking puzzle about how why did the basketball player commit suicide? And it turns out because his letterbox is getting oh, yeah. increasingly higher, and it's the only way he can judge his own height. So he thinks he's becoming a dwarf and kills himself because he's bad at basketball now because he's one foot. And in a much better example of a tiny thing you can do to freak people out, which is something I'm always thinking about because yep. I like horror films and I like like horror experiences and just creepy things like that. Anyway, tiny things like just leaving a drawer a bit open or turning on some fairy lights, like little things are so much more effective at creating an intense sense of unease. And it did just that. <laughs> Let me tell you. Because, so we were now... Um, in a situation where we we assumed, therefore, that someone must be back or uh-huh. have been back. Maybe Angela, like we hadn't heard from her, but maybe like she could have been upstairs. The sounds from next door and sounds from upstairs were indistinguishable. Yeah. Um, there was sort of slight creaking. So I think that we, we both sort of assumed that maybe she was upstairs. And whether or not we acknowledged that, we, are, we were certainly we're silent. silent. <laughs> and just, yeah, um, retiring. We both got ready for bed, but were still sat in, in my room. We discovered, which I don't think that we'd noticed before we went out. Might not have been there, to be that's fair. That's what I was thinking, yeah. that there was a small lamp. Right, weirdly, by where I'd been sitting for yeah. most of the evening. In my room. And it was plugged into the extension lead, which like, I'd already clocked because yeah. I was like looking for a place to in. plug my phone in. Um, so there was suddenly a sm- very small lamp there, which hadn't necessarily been no. there before. Um, and I, in very much small child fashion, I'm more than happy to admit, refused to let Isaac leave my room. <laughs> I was like, he, he was sort of like intimated that he was off to bed. And I was like, don't you dare <laughs> even leave for a second. It's because I'd said I was going to call my girlfriend. Oh, at, yeah. Like when we got back because she was like out going to work the next day so I was going to call her from bed and then like fall asleep but well we'll get on to the rest of the call later so it's now half past nine yeah gone probably 20 to 10 maybe 
Uh, no sign of the husband. Very few noises from around the house. Uh-huh. Um, I was deathly tired now because we've been up for, what, 17 hours now, something like that. Yeah, quite a while. Uh, or 18, 18 hours. And I was like, right, I'm, I'm going to sleep. Mm-hmm. If I'm ever going to fall asleep, it's going to be now. My eyes are falling out of my head. Yeah. We bid each other good night. Yeah. And then I had another revelation, which was that having, um, and again, a very, just a perfectly written revelation moment. As if you were following my first person view as the protagonist for this scene, having taken the piss out of Declan, having bagsied the room that turned out to be hell, <laughs> I had no light and a door that wouldn't shut and had no concept of, of closure. I went to shut my door. And I'd hung my coat on a thing that was over it and it wouldn't shut. So I was like, okay, I'll take that thing off. So I had to unhook one of those hooks that goes over the door, kind of between the, what is it, like the jar, the jam or something? Oh, the I don't know door. door terms. And um, I took that off, went to shut it again and realized that the door was from a completely different frame. <laughs> like it had no relationship to it. It was barely fitting in at the hinges. Like it was bulging at the sides and it was extending like, a few inches past the frame. So my door actually shut even less because I couldn't even close the thing. At least yours kind of shut, yeah. but was not closed. Mine didn't either. <laughs> so that was a shame. But I thought, you know, we'll we'll deal with it. That's Doors happen. So I was ready for bed, climbed under the sheet. I was lying on the pillow. I had the little lamp on. I was just on my phone. I was on the phone. I was messaging my girlfriend. You were mm-hmm. calling yours. Um, and downstairs, we hear the door open. I actually didn't. Okay. Well, I heard no. the door open and I heard a voice say, hello. Hello. Except imagine that, but three octaves deeper. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, any impression, yeah. assume that it's three octaves deeper. Yeah. Um, and I heard footsteps coming up the staircase. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I'm not saying I'm some kind of mad savant. I'm not saying that this is uh, telepathy of any kind. But you can tell by footsteps what sort of person is coming up the stairs. To an extent. Yeah. Um, this person was heavy. Yeah. Built. Definitely. And this person was not skipping with glee. Let's just put no, it No, it that. sounded like... Well, it sounded like how I imagine you hear it the sounded footsteps like in your dream. my nightmare's yeah, footsteps. Exactly. Like constant pace. Uh, rhythmic. Oncoming. Rhythmic and like plodding. Unstoppable yeah. force kind of just... Yeah. Like uh, always following. Yeah. Vibe. Um, and I had... I mean, in my heart of hearts, in, at the very core of me, made the decision that I was never answering this, this person's <laughs> calls. I, to all, for all intents and purposes, we were both in bed. With our the doors were off. shut. Shut like, in the comments. <laughs> our doors were pulled as close yeah. to being shut as they could. And I'd we, hung the, my coat over the edge of the door so that what little, there's probably like an inch of space yeah. was blocked completely and the light was off. So, so it, like it, we were just, we were ostensibly, we were asleep. If it you came back to the time. time. Yeah. It was late. It was night. 
and we were in our rooms with the doors closed and the lights off. That we'd paid for. Let's yeah. put that out Let's there just again. Make that very clear. Admittedly, only eight quid more than we paid for parking on hotels, <laughs> but nonetheless. So it, there was a, a knock on my door, and again a hello, and I just didn't answer. Mm-hmm. I heard footsteps continue down the corridor. There was another knock, sort of, yeah. <laughs> on your door. And then it, I heard it open. Yeah, I was like, on the phone, I was like, oh, hang on, I'll call you back. I was in pyjamas, so I put on a t-shirt. I was like, just a minute. And it took me like 10 seconds or something to answer. An answer I did. And standing there was a large man. I would say six. Three? Three, yeah, I was thinking six, three or something. And like, big with it. Yeah. And as... Not, we- um, not bodybuilder big. But not fat big, the, just built. Yeah, he was the kind of sizable. big that if you're watching a video of a street fight, Hawaiian shirt man. This man is winning. Yeah, because <laughs> like, it's not like, it's not the glamour muscles. It's the the functional. Yeah. Um, and I heard them sort of start talking. I couldn't really hear what was being said, but I could hear both voices distinctly. Yeah. So I figured that I should like get up and go and join, go and say hello do my part. So I opened the door and saw this man, huge this as This man was. giant towering over me. Towering over Isaac at the end of the court. What I noticed as well, he was in sort of black trousers, black shoes, white shirt, yep. black tie. Yeah. Not a builder. No, not in a big way. So the uh, <laughs> the tick boxes for who owns tarpaulin <laughs> came rushing back <laughs> into one. <laughs> there was but the one option. Mm. Um, he sort of heard the door open, came, saw me, came down. We shook hands. Uh, I broke a few fingers. <laughs> um, we we said hello. And again, already, without anything explicit, there was the mood that we were being castigated. Yeah, the, because he'd set up um, a physical dynamic where our rooms were basically on either ends of a corridor and it was quite a narrow corridor. And he was standing in the middle of it and I was standing just outside my door and you were standing like outside yours. And he was sort of facing neither of us, but instead facing forward. And there might have been a mirror on that wall. In my head, I can see his reflection, but that might just be, I'm cinematizing it. Um, But he was standing facing a wall rather than either of us and kind of turning. But he had this way about him and anyone who's lived in a city where you get on public transport at night knows the hallmarks of someone you don't want to sit next to. Well, yeah. And I think perhaps another thing that listeners might be aware of is um, when you're near, either involved with or next to an argument that's escalating Mm -hmm. and you have that innate feeling where you're bracing yourself for things to kick off. Yeah. And in a corridor that contained two other people, one of whom was a best friend with whom I do a podcast, <laughs> I felt this yeah. same feeling. And we'd been in this corridor for 30 seconds. And there was a way he had about him that, for me, I it came to the then it felt logical, but obviously in hindsight, it's a mad thing to conclude. That he had this pause, and I can't remember what he'd said. It was probably like, what time did you set off or something? And we answered. And he paused and did this intake of breath that was a, 
in my head, it was like, right, well, he's heard us talking about how his house is weird as fuck and he's going to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this man's going to shout at us uh, because uh, we've yeah, like, I, broken it, some it, There was that stillness before someone starts shouting yeah. in everything he said. It was and all just like l- overlong pauses and too much... There was too much activity yeah. going on in his head because he was like even vocalizing it sometimes because later questions he responded to was like, right. Yeah, okay. it was breakfast, yeah. wasn't it? Right. He's like, yeah. and what would you like for breakfast in the morning? And we kind of shared a glance. And like, I mean, we, I'd like we're, we're not to leave for we're, breakfast. <laughs> we're not breakfast people, I don't think, yeah. either of us at the best of times anyway. But I wanted to be Especially gone. here, we were like, we don't want to. And again, be. like in a normal Airbnb, if someone was like, oh, I'm going to. Oh, my wife's going to make a full breakfast. I'd be like, okay, that I'm sounds on lovely. board. I love that. But I've good. never heard anything worse. Like, I didn't want to be sat in the kitchen no. with these people. These people being, Him. At, at this point, just Joe. Yeah. Um, because we, he said, uh, yeah, so he was like, the missus will be here in the morning to make breakfast. Uh, what, what would you like for breakfast? And we looked at each other like, uh, Ooh, and wow. I, yeah, I, I was like, I took what I figured was the executive decision, but one that was implicitly, uh, or rather, I think, explicitly. I'm so saying explicitly <laughs> delivered in the panic in your own eyes when you looked at me. I was, I was like, honestly, I, I think we'll be fine. Like there was some cereal, like small cereal boxes down there. We might uh, have one of those or something. Probably but, like, yeah, we've got to set off quite early. Yeah. And get, get back. back and drive. he, thought about this for about a full he processed it with a face that was like I just told him that I was going to kill his wife yeah that we would just break all of his photos right okay okay right Right. okay right okay Okay. and then he I think repeated the fact that yeah because he was like right okay so you don't want anything you don't want the missus to make anything because she'll be there in the morning and then I was like well is she is she upstairs now is she is she back and he paused and then looked and said, the You'll meet the missus in, in the morning. morning. Yeah. I was like, okay. Well, that's that's just not a normal thing that's to say. It's not an answer. Like, we, you know, to the question, is she out or, or is she upstairs? Like, even if, even if, is she upstairs, you just say, no. Yeah. That's an answer. No, she's out. She's staying somewhere else. But just... She's working. You'll she's meet the missus. You'll meet the missus in the morning. Now... It was never more clear to me that the missus, as a concept, was well, Joe in a wig. I mean, if I've never met anyone who looked less like Norman Bates, yeah, but was so clearly Norman <laughs> Bates, his protege, yeah. And then the giant orange dress began to like flash the abundance in my mind. of clothes, the focus on having photos, yeah, like proving. Look, I'm married. Yeah. I'm married. I'm married. <laughs> The you fact can that check it. We'd uh, we'd been talk like messaging Angela, yeah, mm. but never seen her, and she'd fallen off the face of the planet. Yeah, because just think for a moment, there are two like temporal oddities here. One is this is the their house ostensibly. The photos, the decor could not make it more clear. The whole setup screams, "This is the house of Angela and Joe." I realise we've not changed Joe's name. <laughs> it's just called Joe. It's too fully probably not his name head. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are f- there are circumstances like even here, like my mum doesn't come home every night; she stays over to work. But she would always know that that was going to be the case in advance, and if you were renting out a room to someone and you've said, "I'll be there." 
to like let you in between this hour and this hour. If you come after six, then I'll see you when I'm back. It, there aren't that many opportunities for your plans to change so dramatically that you're suddenly within a few hours notice without there having been any sense of calamity or like emergency. I'm not, not staying in my own house tonight. Like I'm out. It's, and we saw like business cards for their thing and it was like a party planner or something. There's no, there's no, uh, it's not actually like an A&E nurse or something. An emergency party planner. Yeah. A surprise. Party <laughs> the surprise is for her. Yeah. She doesn't know when she's got one. <laughs> People just call me up with 10 minutes. Later. It's all like blow up parties. So, so that's odd. I, and I think as well, like if we just recap that at this point, just before we say goodnight to Joe, yeah, or say anything, um, <laughs> that we are now staying in a house that isn't the house that's advertised, mm-hmm. and the person, the only person we've met, is not the person who sold us the house. No, those are just big. Red yeah, flags, like, screaming red flags. Not to mention the fact that neither of us has a door that can close. I don't have a light, yeah. but now I do, but it's a tiny lamp. Weird, uh, like everything else that we've discussed. And also, we probably had discussed earlier, but if not, then it, the conversation followed in this period after Joe, Joe's first exit was that the, this place had reviews on Airbnb. And as I remembered them, I remember that they were all quite sort of perfunctory reviews. They were one sentence. And I've not, I've not used Airbnb that much, but I have, I'm not like paranoid about things like that, but it became clear that even with what had happened so far to a group of people who were kind of less, uh, I don't know, what's the right word? Not secure, but less kind of savvy. Yeah. Or less just confident in a situation. This would already be a, a whole host of red flags and you would not be leaving a five-star review for a place that no. was not the house, not the person, hand a fucking kicked-in door. So, like, imagine, <laughs> like, door a no solo, uh, like, woman, traveller, going around, like, a tour of the Midlands for some reason and, you, and finding that the door been, doesn't shut. You've been sold a house by a, a female therapist yeah. and you're staying at a different house with a door that doesn't lock and the only person you've met is the is giantest a six foot man. three giant. Yeah. That's not a five star review. No. So Why that was in the back of my mind moving ever closer to the front. And so at this point we shook hands with Joe again. His mood sort of lightened for the goodbyes. But in a way that was a, an erratic mood because he'd been yeah. so pensive. Yeah. He'd been so on the verge of, of outraged anger and felt like it could kick off into a fight. Like it felt like we were conflict resolution for that. Most of that conversation. Yeah. And then it just changed like, right, have a great night lads. See you in, I oh, know he won't, he won't see us in the morning. So we got, no, yeah, he was like, which again felt odd because he said he'd been, he told, he said he'd been up early uh-huh. like us. He'd been out till half nine. He was going to be gone before nine in the morning. Yeah. We were like, okay. Fair enough. Right, fine. Um, so we went back to our rooms. Yeah. I, I mean, dum, dum. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter eight. Eight. The return of Joe's return. <laughs> Tune in Wednesday for the concluding part of The Block Switch Project.
necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strides. I mean the bare necessities, oh Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. For me, the bare necessities of life will come to you. Necessities of life will come to you. 